Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Tony Schiavone. I'm not Tony Schiavone. I'm Aubrey Edwards. This is Tony Schiavone. How are you doing, Aubrey? Hey, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Fantastic. Good to be talking to you. We have... We have really a special guest at this time. I know he's, he's, he's going to laugh when I say it, but he really, really is. <laughs> Look I at mean, his eyes roll already. Listen, where, are you, where are you going with this, buddy? We, we are talking with uh, one of the great champions, uh, Taz. And I, and I say that honestly. Taz and I give each other a hard time a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> I always love the laugh that happens after someone yeah, says that. But uh, his, uh, if you followed pro wrestling, you know his, uh, his accolades. ECW world champion twice, TV champion, ECW tag team champion. Many times, a color commentator for the WWE, in-ring performer for TNA, and a broadcaster now part of the AEW broadcast team. Not only that, successful podcaster, radio host. Anything you haven't done? No. Did we miss anything? No, I think we're good. Thanks yeah. for joining Sweet. us. Uh, no. Good to talk to you, Tess. <laughs> no, well, Tony, I never know when you're sincere. Really? See, Aubrey, I know she's sincere. Okay. But you, you're quite, Oh, I'm tricking uh, you then, buddy. Yeah, no, but I I don't know you as well. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. But, we're new friends. We're yes, new friends. exactly. No, no. I, I appreciate the, yeah. the yeah. love. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I'm yeah. glad to be part of this. This is awesome. Yeah, it, it was really exciting when when you hooked on with AEW on a full-time basis because the story goes, and I'll tell the story again, as I was working WCW, I, I never watched ECW, and then started doing my podcast, and we started watching ECW, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, this stuff kicks ass, man. <laughs> I mean, and it really did, and you were you were one of the main men that kicked ass. I mean, you had you really had a great career. I mean, in in to me, when you walked in the ring... It was real. Yeah. You know? It well, really to me, was. it was too, bro. Right. Like, I um, I never played wrestler. Mm. I, right. I did not play Taz. I did not play the human suplex machine. But right. I, um, you know, born and raised in New York, if you couldn't tell from my accent. I right? can tell. But <laughs> once I left the house for the airport or mm-hmm. to get in a car and drive, I became Taz. Right. And some guys, as you guys know, can turn it on and off right before right. you go through the curtain. Right. That's not me. Mm-hmm. So when I was an in-ring competitor, especially during those years in ECW, I couldn't turn it on and off. Right. It was on all the time. Mm-hmm. I was not playing wrestler. I believed what I was saying. I believed what I was doing. It was a part of you. It really was. And I'm so proud of that that opportunity because that ECW thing, we all knew at the time, believe it or not, that it was lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. We knew how special it was. Sure. Because it was so unique and... We had so many unique characters, and there was not a team. There was no writers. It was one writer. It was Paul Heyman as we ran the ship, mm-hmm. and we were a bunch of driven guys and girls that were told no, told you can't do it, told you know, hey, AWA is not hiring you, hey, WWF is not hiring you, hey, the NWA is not hiring you. That's how it was back then before mm-hmm. it was WWE, and we were a bunch of angry, pissed off people. Right, and um, so you're all just saying fuck it and just doing whatever you that's want. That's exactly what it was, and. And that was the the mindset every mm-hmm. night. No matter if there was a hundred people in the crowd, ten people in the crowd, or three, four, five thousand people in the crowd, right. it didn't matter. We were angry. We were driven. 
I was probably the most angriest because that's where the character was and right. that's who I was. And, right. and you know, I I was a sort off mean motherfucker. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I still have that guy in me. Right. Yeah, Trust I know me. that. I know you do. <laughs> oh. I, I physically can't do what I did because right. of injuries. But right, yeah, right, right. in my right. mindset, it's there. Right. Know? That's awesome. Yeah. Do you feel like part of that comes through with your broadcasting at all? Absolutely. Because as an in-ring competitor, I was very always very proud. It was very hard. Like, mm-hmm. I was always an athlete. I played mm-hmm. football. I was a judoka. Uh, I was a, an amateur wrestler. I did all these things as, as a young guy that were very difficult. But when I got trained to be a professional wrestler, it was literally the hardest thing I, I did. It was very difficult. It was a little bit different years ago, the way you got broken and how you got broken. Mm-hmm. I broke in in 1986, and I debuted in 80, 1987. That's a long time ago. And I got broken in by an old-timer, a guy named Johnny Rods. And he, he you know, a real Brooklyn guy, WWF guy for mm-hmm. all those years, underneath guys, we would call it. But a respected guy, mm-hmm. you know, very respected. And he broke us in hard ass as shit. Like he was just, we didn't learn Connie. We didn't learn right. words like kayfabe. We didn't know. We learned in the locker room. Mm-hmm. We learned the hard way. He, he just kept us dumb. So we learned. Now today it's different, obviously. You know, I know that. But, and that's just evolution. And I, and I think that's great. So for me, to answer your question, I'm... I was always very proud to be a professional wrestler, Mm -hmm. and I'm still proud that's part of my history and my legacy. So now as a broadcaster, all the years I've been broadcasting, uh, no matter if it was WWE or TNA or now, you know, with AEW, I'm very proud of that because I'm proud of what the men and women do in the ring, Mm -hmm. including referees and uh, and all broadcasters and in-ring competitors. I'm very proud to be part of something like this. With young folks, I love young vision. I mm-hmm. love the young exuberance. I love love the young energy, you know. Because so, like we talked ECW. So years ago, during those ECW years, the whole company, as I laid out, was pissed and we we're angry. We were driven, but we were also told, "You guys suck. You guys, by the old timers, right. sure. you guys are killing the fucking business." Oh God, you guys we get told all that today. I know, I know. Oh, oh. So when every I day first on Twitter started getting, I know. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe not you. No, no, I know, no, no. I, no, I, I see the same bullshit. But right, you know, right. that stuff is like you got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, these are people that never. A lot of these people are just never, never taken a bump, never taken a bump, never sacrificed, never been away from loved ones, never been, never been missed birthday parties, missed weddings, missed you know, sure, had fights with this their, their 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 significant other on the phone while you're two thousand miles away. Right, they don't understand that. See, so they don't stand that. That's a whole nother podcast. Right. That just fucking irks me. So I don't have to go there. But but anyway, so the thing I was getting at thing I was getting at was like the ECW thing. Like so we were told, just like AW, by a lot of oh, you guys are doing too many spots. Oh, you guys don't sell. Oh, that guy, he's going through tables and there's too much blood, you guys are juicing. That guy's doing too many suplex. That guy's fuck you. Yeah. Okay, that's how we were towards right. those old timers. Right. And I feel the same what you get with a lot of the AEW talent. You know, these guys are not big enough. To, I was told my whole life I wasn't big enough. <laughs> you know, my whole career. So that to me, it just drives this locker room, this AEW locker room, all the guys and girls. Right. So I, I can, that synergy is there for me from the way it was in ECW and what we were told back then. To you know, fast forward all these years to now, the right. Right. people are being they're saying some people are saying towards sure. AEW, old time wrestlers, right. old time wrestling personalities, right? Not not just social media right. Right. stuff, you know. Well, you you guys, what you did back then, 
has stood the test of time, right? Yes, sir. I mean, it, it, it's what kind of what we see today. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know you got to be proud about with that. And you you talked about being an announcer, but you're more than just that. I mean, you you help these young kids. You really do. You mean here at A. Here at A. Oh, yeah, yes. I try yeah. to. Yeah, I try to uh, hang out by the ring. Right. Uh, and I don't mean this egotistically because I don't want to come thrown away, but they come to me, mm-hmm. right? Well, like, of course and, they do. You know, they come, which I I I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. They they appreciate me, but I appreciate them right. being humble enough to say, "Hey, what'd you think of this move? Or hey, should I change this? Hey, do you have a mindset on this, Taz? What do you? I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a coach at heart, I, so I love that. Sure. You right. know, I love to give back because I didn't have a. A plethora of veterans who helped me years ago, right. but I did have a couple of a couple of them that really were very helpful to me and taught me a lot. So I always remembered, hey, if I ever make it per se, I'm, I want to help. I want to help guys and girls. You know, if I ever get to that level, so I, I I'm blessed and I got to that level, and I love to help help right. these guys and girls here. I love to help them on the microphone as a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I'm not a play by play guy. I mean mm-hmm. Tony, you know. Uh, I look at you as tr- your traditional play-by-play guy. Right. That was never me. I'm more right. of a color analyst. Sure. More than I'm more of a color analyst than color commentator. Right. You know, the, and just if I could say, I don't want to jump ahead. You guys might want to get to the color commentary stuff, but we're just organically shooting the shit. That's yeah, what we're that's doing. That's all we're doing. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm having so much fun right now as we record this. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing commentary with Excalibur on Dark. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know because. Um, it's a lot of the younger people that are, or a lot of them are ch- chomping at the bit to get on dynamite on oh, a regular yeah. basis. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So, my job, no one's told me this, but I know my job mm-hmm. is to help get those guys and girls over right. what they're doing in the ring and accentuate that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like all the year, like a, a lot of my commentary work in um, TNA, some people didn't like my commentary work, some of it. Because when I was a heel character and I was with this Aces and Ace group, I had to be, they wanted me to be a heel commentator. Right. So I was acting like an asshole on the mm-hmm. air and not really getting everybody over it except the heels. I hated it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But as you know, you, you, you guys, do what you're you getting do. paid. You, you, gotta, you gotta do your if job. If you dealt these right. you know? cards, you have to play them. Right. right. And in WWE, a lot of my, com- not a lot, but some of my commentary was ha ha fun. That's what the boss wanted. Right. Sure. You know, what I'm doing as a commentator in this company, I love. Is I get to break down the physicality, and that's my my dream gig as a color commentator. Whenever I gotten a chance, all the years I've been doing this to break down action, I, I'm at my happiest. Mm-hmm. And here, like I'm not micromanaged. No, which no is, is beautiful. Right? No you don't no. have anyone in your no. ear. No, that's no, no right? just a little bit. You know, obviously, like for, some timing stuff. Yeah, and whatnot. you need that as right, you know, right. tone, right? You know, you need that. You know, in and out of break with graphics or whatever and stuff like that. But no, you you have your own creativity and what you're what you're sitting at the table for is to get talent over and to get the storylines over and push things forward. You know, so I, I I'm having a blast right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe awesome. the other shoe would drop and I'll be fucking pissed off here. <laughs> right. That could happen. Right. No. Like uh. that really could. I'm just letting you know. No, yeah, no, listen, <laughs> yeah, times have changed. They really have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we talked to some others like Dustin Rhodes and about how great it is backstage to be here. There, there doesn't so seem good. to be any agenda, right? And, and that what makes it a great place well, to work. I, you went through the politics of oh, wrestling. Jeez, yeah. I mean, it was, it yeah, was terrible. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Saying you no, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like we're all just here to have fun. Yeah, and it's it's so cliche when we say it because yep. everyone's literally saying it. It's it's like not a Kool Aid we're drinking. It's right. literally like I I agree with that because okay, the politics thing mm-hmm. that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's a major part. Like I know. 
in your, you know, throughout your career, Tony, you've, right. witnessed, you've witnessed experience. Right. I have, Aubrey, maybe not you as much. Not so much yet. Which, no, hopefully you never do. Hopefully, right. yes. Because it sucks. And I do think, like Tony <laughs> was saying, like Tony was saying, it's, things have changed. Right. And I gotta be, I'll just shoot. Like, I think here, the reason is, it, you have to be, and they are, the front office here is very careful on who is brought into this company. Mm-hmm. Not, no matter if you're a wrestler, a broadcaster, a referee, backstage coach, whatever you are, because there are a lot of piranhas and scumbags mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. shitheads in this right. business. Sure. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of them are from my generation. I got to be honest. Yeah. It's your fault. Uh, yes. So <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I, I and, and and look, there's, there's, there's shitheads all over the place, obviously. But every industry. Every yeah, industry. Especially. Absolutely. I agree. But I just maybe just closer to me because I, I understand my generation of professional wrestling right. very well. Um, and I think here it's the right people, mm-hmm. the right people. And like, Aubrey, what you said about as far as it's fun here, it should be fun. It should. It's wrestling. It should be fun. It should be fun. Here's the but. There's got to be accountability. Yes. And I, I do think that happens here. You, you can't, I'm not saying you said this. I'm not putting words. I'm just saying it's got to be fun, but it's work too. It's sure. business. It's, you, it, we got to make money. I we got to get it, shit I didn't say it, but I 100% agree with you. Yes, right, like, right, Like right. we're here to do a job, Correct. right? Like sure, Correct. we're here to have fun and Correct. whatnot, but at the end of the day, we're doing a live television that's, product. That's exactly right. We got to make money. Like, Ab- absolutely. It's fun. Gotta. We want to keep doing this. Sure, and so you want to have job. fun. It is a job. <laughs> it's like uh, Kevin Sullivan. Not, oh. n- 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 well, no, not the Kevin Sullivan here. Ah, gotcha. The devil, Kevin the Sullivan. The devil, right. Oh, right. That, one. <laughs> that one. The that taskmaster. Yeah, right. He was one of my few mentors who <laughs> right. helped me very much. Right. And he told me a line, I'll never forget it, years ago. And Tony, you might have heard this one. This is a long one. Okay. He said, pro wrestling is high school with money. Yeah. Right? Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> right. I've never heard that before, but that is perfect. It's high school with money. I right. mean, most people had fun in high school. Right. Unless you're like Shivani, you got beat up in high school all the time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm you, not surprised to hear that at all. He actually. knew me. <laughs> Wait, was Taz the one that beat you up? In yeah, I, I do. I he wanted to beat him up recently in a production meeting. <laughs> oh. I wanted to beat him up. Very recently. <laughs> what? Because he one? ribbed me. You yeah. Yeah. Ribbed what did he do? Well, I'll tell you. We'll bring people behind the curtain. So in these production meetings... Somebody help me here. It's, it's okay. like a massive meeting. We all right. meet in catering Tuesday night. Right. And, yeah. and, there's, and there's a head table. There's yeah. a head Tony table. <laughs> there's a head table. <laughs> head table. No, Cody. I, I heard this happen. I'm not Tony Khan, <laughs> EVPs. EVPs. And, and Cody starts reading through the card. Okay. Correct. Kind of telling us a little bit of the show and we're all kind of right. flipping along. That's all true. But what's at the table in front of those men? Oh, the little signs with their names? The little signs with their names. Or the right. little shoot names. Right. Right. Which means real. Right. So... We go into a meeting <laughs> recently here right. at AEW, and I mind my business. I sit in the back of the room, and there is, and Tony, look at Shivani. He's acting like, well, tell me. <laughs> he knows the whole, he knows I, fucking everything. I, I heard this story. Yeah. And I have my own sign. I have it. I'm excited. You, did you see the sign? You have a sign? I, I didn't make the sign. I said, did. Somehow this sign showed up. It said Taz. The guy you left. It wasn't on the phone. <laughs> So you put it on the front table. I would just you thinking, son of a bitch. Yeah. I, I, I would have been funny. I, I, the bigger rib would have right. been if you would have moved Tony Khan's out of oh the way. Oh, my God. Before the meeting and put mine there and not told Tony Khan. <laughs> Tony would have left. But, you know. oh, Tony would have found it hilarious. <laughs> he would, wow, funny. that is a rib. I, oh, yeah, that's a rib. <laughs> Oh my anyway, God! Yeah. Well, I, I do that out of uh, out of great affection and oh, great respect. Of you. Oh, I do. I really do. I do, man. He's trying to cover his ass now. You I'm see that? Serious. <laughs> I'm serious. And you know, when you when you teach these kids in the ring and you have them throw each other, suplex them, themselves out of the ring and hit the chairs and 
get hurt. I'm saying Taz has been here. Man, oh, that plot's not true. <laughs> okay. Now, really, I want to talk about. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Sullivan was yeah. was part. Uh, is anybody else was part of? Uh, you know that you helping looked, me, helping you. Yeah, Tony Atlas. Tony, yeah. remember Tony Atlas? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Tony. Tony helped me a lot years ago on the Northeast Independence before they were called Independence. Mm-hmm. He helped me a lot. Like I said, Kevin Sullivan. You know, my trainer, Johnny Rods, to be honest, he trained me the right way, and, and I'm very happy I went to him. But I really didn't get, you know, after that much. He, like I said, he kind of let you kind of let you go on your own. But right. Give you a couple basics. Yeah. Send you out, get out of the nest. That was it. I, I didn't have many more guys that helped right. me much at all. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I kind of found my own way. And I don't, and I believe in that. I don't think wrestlers need to have their hand held. No. You know, but I do think you need one or two or three veterans to help you and guide you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that here at AEW with a couple of young talents mm-hmm. where the company said, hey, can you kind of help them out guide a little bit. these guys yeah, a little yeah, bit? Right. And they're very receptive. And, and it's because, you know, as you guys know, you need you need to help. You know, sometimes wrestlers of their own can hurt themselves out of the ring. It's mm-hmm. not just in the ring. They're right. just mm-hmm. doing the wrong thing or acting the wrong way or coming across the wrong way. That's the only thing you got to be careful. You can get heat. Right. But I've been trying to get heat. So sometimes you need a veteran to say, hey, be careful of that. Mm-hmm. That's not the right way to do right. that. You know, so yeah. that's kind of what I do also. Yeah. So We're talking with Taz, and uh, coming up, we're going to talk about uh, some more about his days in ECW. Taz, you made your wrestling debut in San Juan, Puerto Rico in June of 1987. Yes. And that wasn't, that? Al- that, that wasn't always the easiest place to work, oh, right? Oh, jeez, bro. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I mean, it was it was I, dangerous, listen, right? I, I, it was very dangerous. That's and a nice way to start in the business. <laughs> I didn't want to go. Oh, I bet I didn't want to go. But Johnny Rods, who trained me, as I said, he, um, you know, he he was from there. He's from Puerto Rico, and he right. had a lot of contacts in the business. Obviously, all his success in that beautiful part of the world and that part of the country it was beautiful there. But God, that first match. I'll never forget it going in. We were in like some rundown old baseball stadium, mm-hmm. and it had rained, like stormed earlier. So the locker room had no bullshit. It had to be at least three inches of water throughout the whole backstage area. Oh, my God. Yeah, no lie. And, um, you know, they, they were trying to push me, which I didn't even know what that meant back then. Again, we're going to give a push. We're going to have you work work a squash match. I'm like, all right. Throw me in the water? I had no like, idea what that meant. Right. I had no idea what, I had no idea what a squash match meant. So I knew they had a – I was – at the time, I weighed about probably 245, 250. And um, I knew I was going to win the match. Mm-hmm. So I had to connect that <laughs> – Later learn that squash means yeah, you're going to win. I'm going to win the match and, and beat this guy. Yeah, Enhancement. I, and, and, you know, they said he's going to get no offense. I'm like, oh, this is fucking pretty good. All yeah. right. I'm going <laughs> to look great. I'm going to look real great. This is great. Can I do this so, every show? So then, then they said, we're going to shoot three weeks of TV here. And I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. I had no, you, you're going to think. You're going in blind. Yeah, people are going to think, wow, this guy was really dumb. No, I wasn't dumb at all. We're all learning on the flight. We're just, just, we're just better at hiding it. Yeah, true. Right. But back then it was like, there was no way to, there was no internet. No. So you're not going online learning stuff and learning these inside terms. You know, there was, and the veterans wouldn't say these terms in front of a young green kid. No, because you like, kayfabe was real. Correct. Exactly. I'd walk in a lot for a while. I thought my name was like 
kayfabe. I'd walk a lot with him. You know, <laughs> kayfabe. Him, and I hear kayfabe. Oh, hey, I guess that's my new nickname. <laughs> hey, I'm hey. Walk, I hear kayfabe. All right. <laughs> hey, I'm kayfabe. How are you? <laughs> hey, how oh, he's kayfabe. All right. Well, here's a funny it. story about that night. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we were there for like three weeks, two weeks, whatever the hell it was. It was fucking miserable. All right. They put yeah. us in the rainforest in some house, not a hotel. Right. We had no electric. We had no phones. You know, oh, it sucked. It, it was Sounds like real, the Indies. Yeah, it, but it really. <laughs> but you know what? I wasn't going to complain. I was just happy. I was wrestling. But anyway, back to that night. So what happens is at the last week of TV, they did this big schmoz in the ring, a big running where the heels hit the ring and beat up this babyface tag team. And then all the babyfaces are going to come in the ring and gonna, the heels are going to start powdering. They yeah, boom, take a bump this. of powder. So we're going over this thing with us in the back. And I'm green as shit, like I said, right? Mm -hmm. So they go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the heels are come. I'm sorry, the baby faces, are, I was a heel. Right. The baby faces will come in, and then you guys just powder. Just take a bump of powder. Right. Again, I don't want to show my hand. I'm a real Brooklyn, New York kid. Right. I don't want to show that I don't tough. know what the fuck is happening right now. What the hell's powder? So, boom, I know when you I'm going to run in. I know like the guy I'm going to get on. I'm beating the shit out of him. Here come the good guys. Here right. come the baby faces. And all of a sudden, one of them, Ted Petty. You remember Teddy? I sure right? do. Yeah, God yeah. rest his soul. Right. Uh, he was under a hood. I can't remember. He was working as Cheetah Kid, probably. That's okay. probably what he was working wow. at. Wow. And I loved him. And he pops me. I pop him back. He goes, take a bump of powder. He pops me. I take a bump. I get up. I hit him back. Oh. He goes, take a powder. Boom. Now, every time he says take a powder, like three times, he's hitting me harder and yeah. harder and he's harder. trying to teach you a lesson, and, and I have no idea. What it <laughs> and then he goes, take a fucking powder. And he basically punched me in my cheek as hard as he could. I'm like, holy shit, I had to get out of the ring because it hurt so much. There you go. <laughs> right? There you go. You finally learned what powder is. And then uh, when I got in the locker room, that's what one of the veteran guys said. He goes, well, why didn't you get out of the ring? I go, I, I had no idea what powder meant. He goes, you learn now. You get some ice for right. your face. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then wow. Teddy came in. He hugged me. He goes, I'm sorry, bro. He goes, uh, he was a veteran. He goes, no, no, I apologize. I didn't know what it meant. He goes, you didn't know what powder meant? They go, no. Wow. That's how I learned. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Imagine today. Yeah. Oh my Holy God. Fuck. Be, oh, there'd be, <laughs> be, all be an TMZ. outrage on Twitter. All over teams. That guy punched that guy for real. There's a oh. shoot, brother. Oh my God. Uh, talk about your relationship with Paul Heyman because I know you traveled with him and you and Tommy Dreamer traveled, he traveled with me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, no. Years ago, uh, like during the ECW deal, like uh, so, Tommy had a really good car. Like he had a nice, like I think it was like a newer Blazer, like a Chevy mm -hmm. Blazer. Ooh. I had a shitbox. Mm -hmm. So, so you rode a Tommy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I I used to drive. I lived on. Well, I live on Long Island still, but at that time I moved to Long Island. I started making a little money, and then I was going to buy a new car. But anyway, I would drive to Tommy's house in Yonkers, New York, and Paul lived in Scarsdale, which is close to Yonkers. So then we'd pick Paul up. So the three of us would drive to a lot of the early years of ECW to the right. buildings together. But my relationship with Paul to this day is still very good. Right. You know, I, I. Um, Do you guys still chat? Yeah, occasionally, yeah, we'll text. Up. We keep up with each other. I, I'm always very thankful for what he did for right. me, mm -hmm. uh, giving me the opportunity. You know, there was, as you know, there was all the stuff with. So many guys were owed money and checks bouncing right, and all that. Right. I, I, I got to be honest with you. He, he's never owed me a dime. He still doesn't. Uh -huh. I never had a check bounce. Right. Never happened to me. And right. that's the gospel truth. He always treated me great. We've had our ups and downs. And when I gave notice I was leaving, you know, uh, to go to WWE, that was rough. We had sure. some downs. And right. he was he he thought we had an agreement for me to stay. Right. We shook hands on agreement. 
I never had a contract. All my mm. years, I never had paper. Mm. I was was a man of my word there. Well, it's interesting in wrestling, like how much that loyalty. Yes. Like it's almost more Correct. important than the actual ink on paper. Correct. Correct. But my wife just gave birth to a son. He was right. an infant. And the deal that Paul and I worked out verbally was like amazing deal. And then I'm quickly, like two weeks, a week or so, whatever, after this, we made this agreement, I'm starting to hear stuff about the TV deal. It's not what we think it is mm-hmm. and all this shit there, kayfabe. And I'm like, e-. and then I'm realizing he's not going to be able to pay me. What he's, I know he's not. No. In his heart, he feels he's going to be able to afford to pay me. Mm-hmm. But I, I am starting a young family and like I, we had just bought a home, you know, so I'm, you know. You got to do you. Yeah. And then when I had the opportunity and hearing from WWE at that time, uh, it was probably, it was, it was probably September of 1999. Okay. that we started talking. I signed with WWE. I technically signed my contract. I think it was November of 99, but I didn't debut until 2000. So right. the deal was like, it was it would take yeah. place once I signed. Right, right, right. But I gave, you know, like I said to Vince McMahon, you know, when I, I said, you know, I was the ECW champion. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, you know, it was a little dirty business, but I didn't bail with the belt. I did jobs on the way out for yeah. two months. Right. I told Vince right before I signed the deal, I go, you know, Paul's going to have me put guys over left and right. Oh, he goes, yeah. I go, I have to do it, Vince. Vince said to me, you're damn right. He goes, do it. That's do whatever he asks. That's your job. That's business. Leave what you, you know, leave the right way and leave leave the place in a good spot. And that was old school ethics by me, by Vince. Paul knew I, wouldn't, I would do the right thing. But shit, I mean, for those couple of months on the way out the door, I mean, he had me lose to fucking everybody, which right. I had no problem with. But it was like there was a strain with our relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. It just and that was hard because he believed in me when no one else believed in me. Right. I, you know? I remember the uh, the event, and I'm not going to remember the name of the event where you came out as a champion and you, who did you put over as? And the fans were kind of turning on you because they knew you were leaving. But by the end of the night, they were Chicago, with I think. they were with you again Correct. because yeah. the way you did business. That's right. It right. Was a that was quite a moment. Match. It really was. Thank you. It was a three-way match, I believe. Right. With Mike Awesome, Masato uh, Tanaka, and myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was in Chicago. Right. So basically, it was elimination. Whoever mm-hmm. left with the t- whoever won the match had the championship. I was eliminated first, and I went in as the champ. Everyone was like, holy shit. So, oh, title's going to change hands. Correct. Yeah. Right. Correct. It was like a huge thing, and we, we had a packed house in Chicago. And um, and people knew that I was leaving. Right, right. Right. The internet just started to become a thing. Right. And the dirt sheets and all dirt that shit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Paul Heyman and the locker room surprised me. They were all waiting on the ramp for me. Right. In mm. front of the audience. Right. And like, I got emotional like, right. to That's say awesome. goodbye to me. That yeah. was a great moment. Yeah, it, really it was, was a great moment to say goodbye, but then I stayed for another two months doing jobs. So, uh, <laughs> right. It's like, this is it was kind a great of a TV goodbye. moment. Yeah. It's, it's a nice TV moment, and then we're going to beat sh- the shit out of you on the way out the door. Right. We're going to give you this so we don't <laughs> yeah, feel bad exactly, about everything exactly. that we're about to put you through. Uh, That's oh my exactly God. what happened. Talk about the, the, the human suplex machine, the catchphrase. Beat me if you can, survive if I let you. Yeah. I mean, that's those things you, you came up with and the, yeah. those things that resonated yes, in sir. ECW. Yes, sir. Those were things that um, I, I at that time, I kind of had a vision of branding before branding was like a thing. Sure. Not, not bragging, but okay. You kind of understood the game. I did. I did. Because as a street kid, like I was, you know, I didn't have, I didn't go to Yale with a degree or Harvard or something like that, but I... I was literally the cliche of the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. I knew the street and I knew how to get over. I knew how to hustle. Yep. You know, without being a shithead. But that's what you have to know how to do in wrestling to be successful. You're damn right. Especially then. Mm-hmm. Especially then. So 
I started, and thanks to Paul and ECW allowing to help that machine and the guys who put me over, like the orange and black attack. That was another moniker I had. Right. I always wore orange and black. Sure. People think I love the color orange. I have no, I don't give a shit about the color orange. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, at that time, Bret Hart was wearing pink and black. Right. And I saw it got over, and I'm like, man, I, everybody at that time was wearing red and black or blue and black, like the dudes. Right. I'm like, I, I, w- I want to be different. So right. I went with orange and black. So, so you I, stand out. Correct. Yeah. I wore a towel on my head, mm-hmm. and my inspiration for wearing a black towel on my head was from Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson at that time was in his prime. He used to wear a white towel around his neck like a poncho. Mm-hmm. He would just take a, like a hotel towel, cut a hole in it, mm-hmm. and just put it on. And we're from not far from each other in areas of Brooklyn we're both oh, right, from. Right, right. So I had a connectivity with him without even saying his name throughout my prime. So I, I was inspired with the towel by him. Well, that's um, one of those little things the fans not, might not realize, but it, it makes it feel more like a shoot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but it's, I'm not a big fan of when young guys and girls steal gimmicks. and steal. I, I think you need, you need to take things and make them your own. Being Influence. S- yes. Same thing with commentary. I hear lines that people say that they're hacking fucking commentators like myself or Tony or JR mm-hmm. that have mm-hmm. been doing this for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and that pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Get a fucking thesaurus, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and get fucking creative. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And put some fucking time in. I get a little hot when it comes to that stuff. You right? don't say See? So, Human Suplex Machine, okay, apologize. Human Suplex Machine was, it just worked. I just, I had a, obviously a, a big, vast array of throws and suplex yeah. mm-hmm. that I worked on for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, perfected them for a long time. I kind of had a version of that name. Paul Heyman had a version, and we, we came up with Human Suplex Machine. Beat Me If You Can, Survive If I Let You was more of a Paul Heyman and I together but more, more paul he more or less came up with that catchphrase mm-hmm. right and i loved it a lot of the shit he came up with i loved because each guy from ecw then can tell you you felt like you had a bond with him he was really a unique you just he still is the yes. way he deals with talent yeah and you know you know paul and, I know him and, very well. yeah. and you know there's a lot of things about paul people hate right. but i'm telling you someone who worked closely with him his passion mm-hmm. his heart the type of person he is, he's a, he's a good man. Right. right. He is a good man. And each guy will tell you they had a special bomb with Paul, most of them, because he turned into you when he talked to you. Strange fucking dude, but that's what made him so just talented. He knew. He had a connectivity with each character that he was pushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he knew. And, and, you know, so it was everything, all those monikers, all those catchphrases, uh, I'm so proud, and people still know them today. Yeah, you know, which they sure is do. fucking great. Yeah. I, I, I'm blessed. I love it. Yeah, you had great rivalries in ECW. Bam Bam Bigelow was one of them. Yeah, I love working with Scotty. Uh, you know, he's he was one of the greats. He really was. He, you know, just yeah. as a big man, how athletic he was, mm-hmm. type of guy he was. I'm sure you knew him pretty good. Tone. Uh, yeah, I knew him very well. Yeah, I love Scotty. I miss him. Um, man, we worked physical with each other. Yeah, there were times he didn't like me. He didn't like me much in matches, and I felt it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he fucking would, we would go, man. Yeah. But, you know, he understood, like, Paul wanted to get me over, and there were times where he made me earn it. Mm-hmm. That was old school, like, during a match. Sure. You know, he, you, you want me to sell for you, you're half my size, well, you're going to have to make me fucking sell. Right. 
and some well, nights storytelling. Were, it was yeah, but it was rough. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> some nights, but I I I loved them. I loved right. them. I, and we we had a lot of fun working with each other, and um, and I learned a lot from working with him early right. in my career. Yeah, he was great. He was I, I, great. I don't think I've seen it, but there's a moment where he went through the ring. Yeah, we both did. Boy. You have to see that, dude. Yeah, I, I, you didn't I, see that? I haven't seen that, no. Oh, Lord, guys. Well, what, what is, shows is it from? Do you remember? This is from Asbury Park, New Jersey, Scotty's hometown, right. Bam Bam's hometown. I believe it was Living Dangerously was the pay-per-view. Okay. I don't remember the year. I, maybe 90, I'm bad with the years, maybe 98, 99. 90, 99? Yeah. You have to okay. just see that spot. I'll go watch it. Yeah. It, no, you have to. Like okay. it, Not just because I was in it. Like yeah. It was insane. Yeah. Okay. The pop was yeah. fucking crazy. I got goosebumps because <laughs> no, because it was crazy. It was nuts, and I'll never forget. I got to tell a story. Okay, please. So I was beating everyone. I was a TV champion, unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Five eight, sawed off, pissed off. Paul Heyman pushed me to the moon. Just no one's beating me. Pushed like an animal. Just mm-hmm. craziness. Now we're in his hometown. We're having this match in, in Bam Bam's hometown. Paul says to me about two weeks before. He goes, what do you think we should do? I go, I got to lose here. I go, people, I mean, you know, I, I, it's just, it's make, it's to a point where I have to lose a match. I'm getting heat with the boys. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a fuck about the boys? I go, well, I, I share cars and, and beers yes. and you, you hotels care. with you these care. guys. I, I you actually these do care. You more than your family. Yes, I do. At that time, I cared. You know, uh, I go, not only that, I go, I think that, I think for my character and for the, the persona, me losing would help with the audience. Goes, so let's take the belt off you. Let's right. do it in Scott. And I said, cool. He goes, we can't just have him beat you. I go, why not? He goes, let me think of something. The next day, he calls me. That's when cell phones just started getting popular. Mm-hmm. Paul calls me. It had to be two in the morning. Which my wife, which she was so used to that, him calling. Like, that's just Paul. Yeah. He would do his best work from midnight to about 5 a.m. And he just calls me. Goes, you're awake? I go, no, no I'm not. But, but now that I am. never stopped you. Right. What, what's up? <laughs> He goes, you want to go through the fucking ring? I go, now? He goes, no, not now. And he laughs. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, at the pay-per-view. I go, how the fuck are you going to do it? Because we used to like kind of like rig things up. We yeah. kind of, but we weren't like really, I don't know how to word this the right way. We weren't like really professional. We didn't have like professional guys doing stuff. You have guys like, like Chris who no. knows how to build a trap door in a we ring. And, correct. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Well. I'm going to go through the ring with a 400-pound man mm-hmm. attached to my body. Right. And I'm going to want – I know I'm going to be the one taking the brunt of this because I have to lose. Right. Yeah. I go, how do you want to do it? He goes, what do you think? I go, I probably got to put the choke on him, and he throws me backwards. And we go through the ring. He goes, perfect. Oh, my God. Because I'll talk to you tomorrow. I go, wait, wait. He hangs up. <laughs> right? So I go, wait a minute. I, who's going who's gonna to do this? Right. Like, and, and, you know, so that's what I was worried about, me getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Not Bam Bam getting hurt because I knew the logistics of the physicality. I'm going to be on his back with the choke on him. My head's going to be higher than him. Mm-hmm. So when we go backwards, I have to clear the hole. Right. Right. That's the thing. Sure. And I don't, I, re- I love the company at that time mm-hmm. and the fans, but I did not want to die. No. So, I don't think anyone yeah. does. No. So at that time, Chris Candido, God rest his soul, who worked for the company, he had, he had worked for WWE for quite some time. He knew somebody, without naming names, his name still kept kayfabe, who worked with WWE, part of their stunt coordination Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. part of their special effects team. Right. And he worked 
for us for that show. He built the gimmick on the cafe. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh he built the trap door. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was other things which I'm still so old school. I won't. I don't want to get into what was going on under the ring. I understand. You know. Yeah, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that's fun. To just keep a, secret yeah, though, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you guys once all this shit's off. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, but you know, it was. Yeah, it was insane yeah. when you watch it. Yeah, it was Good stuff, man. the spot. No one expected yeah. the spot. Good stuff. So then I go through the ring with him. Right. The place is chanting, holy shit. It's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he comes out of the hole first. I don't yeah. want to spoil it. You're going to watch it. Yeah. And then they pop for him. Right. And he's hometown boy. And then he pulls me out and I guess the win. Wow. Yeah. So, and then I got more heat with the boys because they had to break the ring to beat me. <laughs> never, never fails. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Taz, and uh, the direction we'll go next is uh, your time with Vince and the WWE. So we're talking to Taz. Uh, we talked a little bit about kind of your history, Paul Heyman. Uh, you mentioned before you left November-ish, 1999, and then, uh, no, you went to WWE. Uh, I debuted in WWE January uh, 2000. Right, January. so talk about that a little bit. Your debut was with Kurt? Kurt Angle. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, at Madison Square Garden. Yes. A little building a, called Madison Square Garden. Little, yeah, little building. For somebody from <laughs> you might have heard of it. From somebody from Brooklyn, it's a big deal. Yeah, man, it was, yeah. it's, I had just a few goals in my life, in my career. I never thought I'd end up like at that time, at the mm-hmm. level of WWE, but I always wanted to hold a championship at one point. I wanted to make a living, make Mm -hmm. a living in the business. I didn't care how much it was. And and right, I did that and then wrestle one time at Master Square Garden. Right. And stretch Kurt Angle. I think I was going to And stretch Kurt Angle. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. So, so, (laughs) that's funny. Okay. So I never thought, I figured out two out of three is not bad. I'm going to be working at the Garden, you know? Right. And then once we worked things out with WWE and then uh, Vince had told me, that I was going to debut at the Garden, I was like, ooh, there's number three. There you, you know, go. so there you go, right and, out of the gate, man. And I told Vince the story. And he goes, oh, that's great, pal. He really didn't give a shit. No. So, uh, <laughs> no, but so, so anyway, um, yeah, that night was amazing. I mean, and I've told the story before. I'll tell it again for any yeah, new listeners we, here. And this is, you know, so. That night on the way to the arena, on the way to the garden, I only live like 40 minutes away to drive, obviously, Mm -hmm. so where I live on Long Island. So, uh, man, so many things. I was in traffic, like bumper to bumper, which I, on the Long Island Expressway, which normally obviously would piss you off being in traffic. I actually didn't mind it, you know, because I I was, I'm not normally like, at that time, I was not normally like a deep thinker type guy. Mm -hmm. But then like all this shit is going through my mind, like my whole career and like, What's this about to happen here tonight? Kind of like culmination up to yeah, that moment type freaked thing. Me out a little bit. Right. <laughs> be honest with you, it was a little weird. <laughs> yeah. And then I I'm trapped in this car. Yeah. And keeping I, my thoughts. So I called Paul Heyman, and I thanked him. You know, and I said, you know, I, he knew what I was. You know, even though it was kayfabe, but mm-hmm. like you know, he knew that I was debuting there. Right. I, so I, I just thanked him. I just said, you know, uh, my whole career and everything and everything we did in ECW and I just I know you pissed off at me and I know you're angry and he, he said no nah, man I love you he goes you're gonna kick ass and I'm proud of you you know it was it was like closure for me you sure. know yeah. what I mean weird I sound very soft but I don't give a fuck yeah so uh, you're in New York in traffic at the time <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. right right remember that part of the story <laughs> so I fucking love you Paul right exactly it was weird you know so I get to the building you know and it's like I'm I'm excited, but I'm no selling it, you know. And and I knew Kurt, you know, uh, I knew Kurt pretty good, and I was friends with Kurt, you know. His first 
taste of professional wrestling was actually not WWE. A lot of people don't know that. It was in ECW. Mm-hmm. See, people don't know that. Right. So WWE won't tell you that. Right. No. That's oh, shoot. No. <laughs> so Sting he, disappeared for right. 15 years. So whatever. Kurt, he <laughs> did color commentary for one match right after, in 1996 after he won the gold medal in Atlanta on my match against Little Guido in ECW. Him and Joey Styles. Mm-hmm. Shane Douglas, who's from Pittsburgh, was had mutual friends with Kurt, who's from Pittsburgh. And Shane was the reason who he got um kurt to the ecw show in philly and that was his first and last ecw show kurt angle and that was the first taste of pro wrestling for him which i guess he liked or whatever right and um then something happened with raven and the sandman and a crucifix in the arena kurt angle saw that he got very offended and stormed out of the building and wow wow me and shane douglas didn't even know that was going to happen and we're yelling at paul and paul Shane, uh, Kurt's yelling at me and Shane, and like, no, we didn't know, and like, we're apologizing. It was a fucking mess. Wow. And Sounds we got like mad at, it like, it was a whole big craziness. Yeah. You know, but anyway, like, well, there goes a gold medalist out the fucking door because of some stupid <laughs> well, angle. Well, yeah. we lost that guy. <laughs> so, anyway. Another day in wrestling. So, when I wrestled uh, Kurt at the Garden, when I came out, like, when I heard that pop, I knew I was fucked. I knew I was doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Uh, because it was massive, and again, it was before the big craze of the internet and all that shit, and people didn't know I was going to be there. It was a legit surprise. It was a legit surprise and a legit pop in the world's most famous arena. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I knew I was doomed is because that pop did not come from WWE. I was a made guy before I got to WWE, right. and WWE at that time, they'll never, they never would admit it then, and they won't admit it now. Right. They, you know where I'm going. I know exactly where they, you're going. They don't. They didn't want made guys. No. They want exactly. to make guys. They want to make guys. Yep. So that's what happened. Right. So as I'm walking out with the towel on my head, looking bad as a motherfucker, mm-hmm. I'm saying to myself, "Oh my god, shut up! Don't mm-hmm. cheer! Don't pop! Just boo me! Do something! Just don't say nothing!" Right. Even though it was an awesome feeling, I knew I was. Yeah. It's the beginning and the end. So then the match happens, and we had a German suplex deal we did in there, where I was going to release German suplex Kurt. Kurt, I've wrestled Kurt a lot. I love Kurt. Um, at that time, Kurt was green, mm-hmm. and he was very he was very overzealous. He always wanted to make his opponent look great, right? Like very unselfish guy, like super. That's just type of person he is. He's a awesome. good man, you know. And I hit him. I go to hit him with this German suplex, and he goes to like jump, you know, just to help me with the throw. And that's not how I suplex. Right. I, you don't jump. I do it. Right. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. You just got to trust me. Mm-hmm. So I put him back down and did the throw, and he cleared his head. It was close, but he cleared his head because he was like, you know. If he's used to jumping, yeah. and all of a sudden feels I've done different. that throw like a million times. You're kind of the human never suplex machine. Right. Right. But did he had, not know right, this? Exactly. But <laughs> it wasn't Kurt's fault. Just the ti- our timing was Right, off. right, right. So I did the right thing by putting him back down to protect him. I don't care if we're at the garden or at some high school gym. I'm going to protect him. That's right. the goal. That's my job. Right. And that spot, I guess, helped some of the piranhas backstage, yeah. you know, bury me. While I was, that's what I've heard from a few very credible sources, mm-hmm. very credible, that they were running to Vince, and Vince saw it and was freaking out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He is dangerous. Oh, my God. He's going to hurt somebody. And, oh and then I was just – but I had a 
long-term deal. I was making a lot of money. Uh, so that po- stuff was all positive. But I, I, I felt like that night, as great as it was, it, it just – Vince got the wrong idea. You know, I knew I was really fucked. Right, it was first match of the Royal Rumble, massive mm-hmm. pay per view, as you guys know, at the Garden. Right, I walk through the Gorilla. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there. When I'm done with the match, they oh. stretch a Kurt Angle out. Mm-hmm. Everybody was gone. Like as you guys know, that's not. That's not. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> no one to be near me or see me or talk to me. Wow. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. I'm like, oh boy, because you know, even though it was my first night in the company, sure. I know how things work. All right. But anyway, like an impression, didn't and you? then I was there for another nine years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh my so, god! Go figure. Yeah, and you moved into the uh, the announce table, and talk, there was an angle with Jr. and, and, uh, Lawler, and Lawler yeah. that got you there. Talk about that. Yeah, it was. Uh, we did a did a, at the Garden. We we the, I think the angle started at the Garden with Jr. and I. That's mm-hmm. what the angle started okay. as because I had this idea. I think I was. I don't remember who I worked with. It was actually in Dallas on a pay per view. And uh, I was a heel. I beat him. I, I might have been Al Snow. I just keep thinking it was Al Snow. And uh, on a pay-per-view match. And as I was walking through the curtain after the, after the match, I looked back. You know, as a heel, sinister heel. And JR had a great line. He, like, buried me. He's like, ah, he got that look on his face. He, like, cursed, you know, son of a bitch. Whatever, you know, JR was indignant on burying son me. Son of a bitch. As yeah. a heel. You know, mm-hmm. he did his job, JR. Right. And I heard it back in catering mm-hmm. uh, at Raw the next day. And because he used to have a monitor where the boys would watch the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, wow, that was a good line by JR, man. And the timing was great with my face. Mm-hmm. And I went right to Vince. Mm-hmm. I go, Vince, I, 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 did you hear that line? He goes, oh, it was great. I, I, I got I to gotta fucking get back at JR. I right. got to say something. I got to get in his face, you know, something. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. And then, like, I think it was the week later. And then they came up with the thing where I went up to JR at the garden and got in his face and stuff like that, and and he slapped me, and then I hit him with a, I said a very insulting line to Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, which I wasn't proud of, but as a heel, and Jr. knew the line was coming. I'd rather right. not repeat the line, okay. but but it was a nasty, nasty line mm-hmm. after he slapped me, and um, it was in the garden. I had to get heat. Right. You know, I'm in my hometown, and I'm old school. Mm-hmm. I got to get heat in my hometown as a heel. All right. And that line worked. And I cleared the line with Vince. I cleared the line with JR. Mm-hmm. JR was a pro and said, no problem. And then uh, I kept egging JR to hit me, hit me, and then Lawler came across and nails me. Oh. Yeah, with a great shot. And and then we did a real legitimate pull apart. Mm-hmm. And that's the angle segue to me and Lawler. That's right. how it all happened. It was great. I had a lot of fun working that angle. Um, uh, recently on social media, Jerry Lawler was saying too, and then he messaged me. We were going back and forth a little bit. Like that, like our feud we had as a now, not announced, he was an announcer at the time. I wasn't. It segued me into the announce desk, but it was a really, really strong. We worked well. We had good chemistry together. It wasn't pushed though, you know, because Lawl, I think, was at the announce desk. They weren't pushing me as a main eventer. So right. it was just kind of like a good filler angle, but it could have been much more. But I had a lot of fun working with, with King and doing the stuff with JR too. Uh, do you think when, when Vince uh, acquired ECW, that uh, buried it on purpose. You mean the rebirth of ECW? The rebirth of the ECW. Rebirth, like I mean, because it, yeah, right? to, because it wasn't what it was. It was I mean, horrible. It, exactly. It was horrible. Yeah. And I, you know, like, you think he tried to make it work, or he he did a rebirth just to put his foot on it? No, he 
I really, and I ended up leaving the SmackDown desk to do color commentary on the rebirth of ECW. See, ECW guys call it the rebirth. We don't call it ECW. And um, Joey Styles and I, you know, it it was fucking horrible. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Vince did that on purpose. I really don't. I have no agenda to push Vince over. I'm just being honest. I really believe that that was Vince's vision for what it should be and would be. And it's not what ECW was. No, but he didn't give a fuck. Right. He wanted right. it to be what he wanted to be. Right. He's a business guy. That's he's a billionaire. Yeah. So that's what There's happens with some of those billionaires. <laughs> right. Not the billionaire we have. Here. The billionaire we have. We love him. So no, but here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. Like I knew that thing was fucked. Where we did the rebirth of ECW. We were in Newark, New Jersey, doing a TV. And the announce desk was not going to be the regular announce desk. It was going to be just a folding table with cans right there with the box, wires, and all exposed. That's the f- like the first one or two we did. And then we were in, I think it was Newark or Trenton, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, what town. And I remember Kevin Dunn saying to me and Joe Stiles, yeah, we're going to change the table up. It looks like shit. I mean, Joe were like, well, no, that's kind of the look. Like, that. it should look. That's our vibe now. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, nah. It, it should it, look it's, low it's, budget. It's WWE's version of ECW. It's not going to look like that. And like, uh. me and Joe were like, wow, this thing's doomed. Yes. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is the one step. It's yeah. like, what's next, mm-hmm. right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you left WWE on your own terms in 2009. Uh, Which was great. Yeah. Talk I was about, so yeah. proud to be able to do that. Right. Because at that time, people, people would get future endeavored, you know, like, so if they would release someone, they would get future endeavored. They would, yeah, we wish uh, Joe Blow the best of future endeavors, which is like a, it's like yeah. a real right. shit. It's like, where thing. else are you going to work, Yeah, buddy? exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like a real sh- It's not, not bad enough we just release you, but we're going to fucking zing you on the way out the door. <laughs> right. like, how much of a heel fucking right. deal is that? Right. So, anyway, um, yeah, what happened was, man, I just had enough. I just, I had enough. I was under, I was working SmackDown. I was working, technically working once a week. Yeah. I was flying on Vince's plane, Michael Cole and I. Yeah. Back to New York every Tuesday night after TV, not because they liked us, because we had to go and do VOs. VOs, So we had to get back to Connecticut. So commercially, it would have been a bitch. So we used to fly all. So my point is, they wind and dime me. They treated me great. I mean, financially and every act, everything, everything. I had a new deal in front of me, um, a new three year deal. They wanted to keep me. And then I remember telling Kevin Dunn, I, I said, I, I, I think I got to pump the brakes here. I just, I just need to think. I just, I, I don't think I want to stay. He was what? He was shocked. Sure. You know, I mean, he I'm was sure. shocked because yeah. they, it came out of nowhere to them. But in my mind, I had enough. I was tired of the vibe there. And and so Is that another way for saying politics. Not just the politics. No, it okay. was the, the way poli- you feel going to work every day. Correct. Yeah. Okay. My, I would sit in the rent a car. And show prep. I didn't want to be in the building. I didn't want to be around. It's a pretty clear sign. Any of them. Yeah. Right. And there were one or two other guys that would do the same thing. I don't want to name their names because one of them still works there. So I right. don't want to bury them, you know. Right, right, right. But, you know, uh, I just didn't want to go. I, this went on for no lie, at least three months. Right. I just didn't want to go. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to hear Vince in my ear. Fuck, I know it's a leapfrog, dude. I mean, I know it's a drop kick. You don't have to tell me, fuck, it's a bulldog. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> right. How right, many right. bulldogs have you taken? Right. How many have I taken? <laughs> <Right>. Shut up. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, like, you know, really, like yeah. that kind of shit. Like, the micromanaging got to a point where he was not just in my ear, but like, the play by play guys were getting it a lot oh, worse than I they call the commentators. Mm-hmm. They were getting hammered. Right. And still do. And still do. Right. Correct. You know, so yeah. that was a big part of it. 
just being around at that time, and I'm going to say it, and they, and they gave me an opportunity to leave the ring and be a commentator, and I've um, on my podcast, when it was going full-time, I've thanked them publicly. I emailed Vince privately when I got my gig with CBS Radio. I emailed him, and I thanked him. Without you turning me into a broadcast, I never would have had this. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've never, I just never said it anywhere else. And I'll say it right, I'll say it right here as Tony throws up on the air. Um, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you this: I didn't want to be around anybody named McMahon at that time. Yeah. Right? They were fucking annoying, mm-hmm. and it was just the pompous, the arrogance. I think things have changed since then a little bit. We but hope, yeah. at that time, I think a little bit it has. I, I'm not there. I don't know. Right. Thank God, I'm here. But. The arrogance, not politics, the arrogance, the, the, and that's the word I keep saying, that's the adjective that keeps jumping out to me, the, just the, the disposition of that elitist attitude, mm-hmm. it got to the point where it's like, you know what, fuck off, right. I'm out. Yeah. And then I even said to Kevin, I said, look, once I, the following, he said, take a week, chill out, think about it, talk to your wife, blah, blah, blah. You know. I knew that I had an opportunity to go to TNA at that time. I knew. I'm not dumb. Right. Right. I was just like, well, I'm just tired of working here, and I'm just going to wait and see if someone else calls me. Right. I yeah, knew I had someone an opportunity. Else already called. I, yeah. So I said to Kevin, I said, listen, I'm not signing this, Kevin. I'm sorry. I said, you've been very helpful to my career. I appreciate you. I need a break. He goes, okay. All right. I understand. He goes, you're going to have to talk to Vince. And, uh, you know, I, he goes, he's going to want to talk to your person. I go, no, I, I want to talk to Vince. I, of course. Do you want me to come to TV this week? Because, yeah, we were in Dallas. Again, right. Dallas. So I'm like, all right. So I did say to him, because WrestleMania was the next week. Oh, boy. I said, I don't want to leave you in a lurch. I said, I'm not going to sign a deal. My deal was up. My deal was up. Right. I said, I will so you're come. you're basically doing, like, show to show at this point. For one week, I went okay. show to okay. show. I said, I'll go to Mania. Don't pay me. Just take care of my trans. Wow. Mm-hmm. I told Kevin. I'll come in. I don't want to leave you in a lurch. He goes, Taz, I appreciate that. Let me talk to Vince. We might want to go a different direction, being that you're leaving. That's no problem. And they did. They went a different direction. Sure. But I know I rest my head on my pillow at night knowing that I did the right thing on the way out. Mm-hmm. I gave notice the right way. I gave ample time. You know, and I offered to go call their biggest show for free. Mm-hmm. You know, so just take care of my transportation yeah. and we're good. But they didn't do that. And then, you know, saying goodbye to Vince was tough because, you know, sure. he's done a lot for me. And, right. and, you know, I didn't tell him I'm fucking tired of hearing you in my ear. Right. You know, I didn't say that. I just said I just need a little break. I just need. And he goes, you sure? He goes, you know, you're part of the family here and all that. I'm like, eh. oh, yeah. I want to say I don't really feel like part of the family. Right. right. But, uh, part you of the know. family don't work. <laughs> but you can say I'm part family of the family. Family only yeah. see on Thanksgiving. They're in the <laughs> yeah. castle. Nobody wants to Oh, so. But whatever. I just said, no, I'm, I'm good. I got to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. here you are. And we're all better for it. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're, uh, well, I appreciate that. I don't really think is. that the, I appreciate you saying that. I don't. It's it's great for me. It's great for my mind. You know, being in podcasting so long and in radio so long, I, I quasi left the business for mm-hmm. about four or five years, and now being back with in the industry to this level with AEW and the way this ball rolls mm-hmm. is fucking great. I right. mean, I'm blessed. So I. You guys make me better, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm. We're all making each other. I, yeah, better. that's the beauty part of this place. It's sounds crazy, but it's, it's so cliche. But like, yeah. we're literally just every day. It's great. I it's great. No, no, getting on planes every Tuesday. I'm just no, like, man, this I is know. my job. Tad's it's one of dope. the true great performers of all time. Thanks for your time, buddy. Did you read that line? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think he said it? I sure did. 
<laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> All right, buddy. Lovely. Thank you. Okay, be sure to su- subscribe to AEW. Subscribe. The word subscribe, right. Be sure to get AEW Unrestricted He's a broadcaster. Podcast. Did you know that? Yes, I know he is. For free. You can get it for free wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in to AEW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock Central on TNT. And I'm Tony Shimon. I'm Audrey Edwards. And I'm Taz. You sure are. Thanks oh, for listening yeah. to Unrestricted. <laughs>